Hi and welcome. My name is Chris Johnson. Welcome to the Leadership Video Podcast, where we're trying to um, understand what makes leaders work and how to help them kind of craft an environment to make them more successful at their work. And today we're visiting with Brenda Bazan, and she's the president of EPSoft, uh, which does robotic process automation, which when you hear robots, that sounds really cool, right? Do you get that a lot? Tell me about robots. <laughs> yes, I do get that a lot, okay. actually. People are often talking, though, about the hard physical robots, yeah. <laughs> and we're actually talking about software robots. So it's a little less sexy than if we were talking about things that were walking around a plant floor or in your home or making your dinner, but it's still pretty exciting. Okay. Well, tell us about EPSoft. What do you guys do? Tell us about how the, the software works just briefly, and then we'll kind of dig in a little bit more and find out. You know, more about your leadership style and, and uh, what you enjoy doing and how you, how you got to where you're at, that kind of thing. Well, thanks. I mean, we're a tech startup. So we're the, the brainchild of the two founders who were technical guys who had worked with a lot of customers and wanted to learn how to solve problems. And so uh, on the process of building their company and on the way there, they realized that the way to do this was to help customers with um, automating standard processes, things that were irritating okay. their employees and irritating customers. And so they built this capability to, ba to basically build a digital workforce, to take those things that employees don't like doing and customers don't yeah. like doing and automate them and yeah. then create an environment for our customers where it's a better employee experience and a better customer experience. So we're in that space and growing really fast and enjoying it and solving customer problems, all the good stuff, you know. So tell me about, um, so as a president of EPSoft, tell me about kind of how you got there, what, what you're doing, what your career's been like, and you can just kind of walk us through the story of, of who Brenda is. Oh, that's nice. Um, so Brenda started, all her career has been in tech. I started at IBM, and I was there for 25 years. And I have to say that I credit IBM for creating such great foundational leadership uh, understanding and, and talent for me because they are great at training people. They have great role models within the organization. So I learned a lot and I learned a lot there that I continue to use every day in my business career. But when I left, I knew it was because I wanted to do something that was not large, mega, global company, but rather a small, um, small startup. Did you catch all that? Uh, yeah, we did. We did. Is that, is that something you've been so, anyway. thinking about for a while to, to go from large mega company to small startup and start a new company? Yeah, is that Absolutely. I, I knew um, probably in the latter half of my career at IBM, while I was getting great experiences, I was able to live and work abroad. I worked in Europe and, and those were experiences I wouldn't pass up for anything. They were fantastic. But I also knew there was an opportunity for me to learn a very different set of skills by working with small teams, by enabling small teams, and by getting really involved with uh, customer problems at a more intimate level. So when I left, I started a couple of small businesses myself. I had a couple of startups. And then I went into private equity. And in private equity, I became an, what they call an operating partner, which means you get put inside the portfolio companies to help them. And okay. I learned a lot. And I was a CEO of a cyber company, of a telecom software company. And in the process met um, the founders here and they asked me to come in and help them take what was basically a services business and build it into a product business. 
Okay. So that's what I've been doing with them. The three of us work very closely also with our marketing executive. We're a tight, small team. And um, you know what that means. That means you do a little bit of everything. Right. So we're producing right. re the, the revenue. We're building the product plan. We're doing in talking to investors. We're doing a lot. So um, that has been, I think, the most exciting part of this is the collaboration across all of those groups. Wow. Um, you learn a lot. You do a lot. You're, it's kind of stressful because sometimes you're doing while you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the fun part of it. Uh, that Living on that stressful edge is where I'm getting a lot of the excitement out of my job. So is there, if you're, if you're going to kind of look back, I mean, you've talked about learning so much in, in a really broad role, right? So you wear lots of hats now. Was there, was there a point in your career that you kind of can look back at and say, I, I had so much learning from that thing? You know, whether it was a, a specific role that you had or it was an assignment or a team that you learned from. Is there something in the background that kind of taught you a lot at kind of an accelerated rate? I definitely think that leaving a large company and starting a small company was just um, a very accelerated learning place for me. Because in a large company, you're surrounded by resources. Even though the work is hard, and the demands are tremendous, um, you always have places you can go to ask people. There are tons of people around you who've done what you're doing and, and they're there to help you. So that was such a soft, cushy feeling yeah. <laughs> to have all that support. And then when you leave that and you start your own, um, you realize you're not only just building the business, but you're taking the trash out. You're buying the, the pads of paper. You're, you're doing everything. Right. And that tremendous learning curve of I'm raising the money, I'm spending the money, I'm building the budget, I'm doing the business plan, I'm talking to the customers. It's coming at you so fast. Um, and if you aren't a quick learner, you're not going to enjoy it. The stress is going to overwhelm the learning. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to be one of those people who can, can take it at a very fast pace, but also can reach out to others. Because I, I think I could never have done it on my own, even when I was in a small business. I was reaching out to colleagues, to other entrepreneurs, to resources online. I was doing everything I could to find answers to the things I had never done before. So, so I wonder what, what made you do that? I mean, was there a, like a sudden realization at some point that I have I really got to get out? I've got to go off and do my own thing. I'm excited about leading a small group or, or getting out of the big machine and into something smaller or just wanted more responsibility. What kind of, was, was there a realization like that or what do you think? Yes. Okay. Yes. You tell so me about that. I think there, it absolutely. Was, it was slow, but it happened really right before I left. And that is, again, I just have to say that IBM was a great place to work. And it was particularly great to me in my career. Um, I'd been given so many opportunities. And there was a period of time where I realized if I didn't leave on my own, I was going to never leave. I mean, it, it yeah. was such a great company. There was no reason for me to go. Um, and so I thought, I need to do the uncomfortable thing and figure out if I can, in fact, survive outside this environment with all the support and also do something really different. Make my career about more than just having succeeded as an executive in a really great company with a lot of support. I mean, can I put that on myself to say I'm more than just that? 
So I didn't really have a plan, but it really, it wasn't sincerely about proving to myself that there was more out there and that I could tackle it. I'll tell you, the first couple of steps, I thought I might've made the wrong decision. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure this was such a great idea because it was hard. And I think one of the things that happens in the entrepreneur space, especially when at the time there were all these successes like Facebook and uh, it looks on the outside like it's easy. And on the inside, it's a ton of work and a lot of failure. And so I knew I wanted to try it, but I think every day I was having my eyes opened to the challenges and the difficulty and... And to you know, to a large degree, um, how much failure was involved in success? Yeah, that's a great. That's okay. That's a great description right there. How much failure is involved in success? So, so you leaped from the frying pan into the fire, right? So you yeah. went from uh, not a comfortable place, but uh, a place with lots of resources, into a place that had almost none except for yourself and just a few people that you could reach out to. Something's got to drive. Kind of what's inside. So, so what drives you to do that? Is it, is it the, um, is it is the desire to support a family? Is it a uh, you just love the lifestyle? Just kind of maybe maybe freedom is a good description. Maybe not. Is it just that you love to work? What what kind of drives you to that? I mean, something's inside you that kind of pushes out. And says I've got to go do this thing. What do you think that is? So, well, I definitely have a big family. I have six children. So (laughs) family is a thing. I I know that some people work in big companies, do well financially, and then leave when there's less risk, right? So they've made their money and now they can take some risk. I wasn't in that state. I mean, I I needed to make money and still do need to make money. So I have a big family and lots of kids. Uh, They're they're on their own, but they're always, you know, still part of the family. So no, I I have a, a need to have real current period income. So that was a stressor, right? In a small business, you're having to not only employ yourself, but employ the people who are working for you and all of that. So so that was, so money was not a motivation. It was a necessity. Um, The motivation was really more about figuring out what I was made of. And I know that sounds like a funny thing and maybe it sounds trite, but I didn't know that I could start my own business, but I knew how to collaborate with people and I'm a good problem solver and I do enjoy working independently. I think probably if I was to say the single biggest driver, it was that I wanted to define how my success looked. I wanted to say, if, if, the, if I think the right answer is to turn this direction, then I think I want to take responsibility for that. I want to turn this direction, see where it goes, and own the responsibility for that direction. In a big company, it's hard to do that. You're one vote in a lot, a lot, a lot of votes. Yeah. And so sometimes you think this is the direction to go, but everybody else is going to go a different way. And, and you have to start rowing that direction. And that's okay. That's how big companies work. They take a lot of ideas, they meld them together, and then we move a direction. I wanted to take a more directive hand in that and see where I could take things. Hmm. So I think people watching this are kind of thinking that same thing. There's got to be a million people out there that are sitting in big companies thinking, I really want to take that, that leap. They're not sure how to do it. 
Um, they're not sure if they've got the drive to do it. And that's a part of kind of why we're exploring this, this whole video podcast is trying to help people get in the right situation. Um, what, what do you think made this the right situation for you? Was it, you know, you had that drive about kind of proving something to yourself and, and having kind of your own control. Why do you think this situation describes who Brenda is? You know, it's not, um, it's, it's a, a strength that you have. It's a passion that you've got. You know, why, why do you think that's a good situation for you to, to be the president or to jump out and lead uh, new companies? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I really, I do know was a strength at IBM for me and continues to be a strength now is my ability to empower and motivate people. That was the thing that I loved doing the most. And I think that was a great advantage of a big company because you have large teams and so I loved being able to work with people and help them get excited about what they were doing, really get them uh, motivated and energized. So the reason it works here in a small team is that it's even more important in small teams that everybody loves what they're doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody has to know how their role makes a difference in the company. I think being in sales, which has been a big part of my career, both inside IBM and out, sales has been my strength and my area of expertise. What I know is that lots of people try to motivate salespeople with money, but there are there's decades of research that say money is not really the big motivator for salespeople. There's a bar at which you have to hit that. If people aren't making enough to have a comfortable living, then, then it becomes stress. But above that, above that bar, money isn't a big motivator. The research will tell you what makes people do what they need to do and love doing it every day is understanding how they make a difference in how the company or how the organization is going to succeed. They know how their role matters. And I think of all the things I've done in my career, the one thing I've done well is connect with people and help them understand how what they do matters, how their voice, their actions can help propel our project, our company, whatever forward. And when people feel like they're making a difference, they're gonna do all manner of things to help to, to keep doing that, to keep making a difference for you. So I think the thing that worked for me before and it continues to work for me is connecting to people and helping them feel excited about getting up and doing their jobs. Okay, so that, that's really interesting. So, so one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to invite you, Brenda, specifically is because I remember a conversation going back a few months that we had about, um, I was asking about, you know, how do you sell robotic process automation? You know, do you have to prove value to companies? Um, do you have to, to show that, hey, you can, you can get rid of this many jobs and that's the dollar value that's associated with it. And you, you stop me really quick and you say, wait, wait, no, you don't do that because those people have a lot of value and you are very quick to put a lot of value in the people that are around you. So it's really, it's really interesting and affirming to kind of hear you come back around and say, I love doing that with people. I love just making sure they know why they're in the company and what the role is and what they're doing. Um, 
anyway, just wanted to, just thought that was really interesting that that conversation well, kind of tied back. That was meaningful. <laughs> I'm glad you're <laughs> consistent because yeah. that actually is a big um, a, a value statement about our company, and we we decided that very early on because there are there are a lot of RPA companies who come in and their objective is to help you figure out how you can cut costs by eliminating resources. And that's not where we go. We start by saying people should be doing what people are best at. And what people are best at is relationships, strategy, creativity, the things you cannot automate. And so take the things off their plate that can be automated and allow people to do, unleash them, allow them to do the things that will take your company to the next level, great relationships with customers, great customer service, creative ideas for the next round of product, you know, product development, all the things that you want to unleash them to do and take the other stuff off. Okay. So hopefully that's the message we continue to bring to our customers so that, uh, so that they can get all the talent, the best talent on the, uh, in the market at their company and then let them do the best jobs that they can do. So you're basically taking very talented, valuable people and making them even more valuable by just adding an assistant with them. Okay. I'm finally getting it. I'm finally getting it. Okay. (laughs) So, okay, last, last couple of questions, and then we're going to hand you off to Heidi. Um, so, okay. um, so you kind of described what being president of EPSoft is like, that you've got a really broad role, even down to taking the trash out and buying the, the notepads and that kind of thing. What, you know, if, you're gonna, if you've got 20 activities, if you do in a day, what are the things that you really enjoy the most and what are the things you enjoy the least? I'm sure trash is probably on the bottom, but are there some kinds of things that you really like doing and some kinds of things that you don't like doing? Yeah. It's a funny thing because I'm trying to paint a picture of myself. I'm not trying. I mean, I'm painting a picture of myself as someone who loves interactions with people. I love, I love connecting to people. So that part is great, but I don't love meetings. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you have those meetings where the objective of the meeting is everybody throws up their PowerPoint chart that says, you know, here's what I've done in the last month and here's what we're going to do in the next month. And those are not my favorite meetings, gotcha. but the meetings where we get together and say, okay, we have a problem. Can we get four or five people together to discuss your ideas, everyone put their ideas on the table and let's figure out what to do. Those meetings I love. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm very, very energized by collaborating with others on solving problems. So the things I love doing every day, phone calls with customers, even um, phone calls with our developers where they think they don't really understand, you know, Brenda, can you look at what I did? Cause I'm trying to put this together for a customer. I'm not sure it really addresses what they're asking for. Those meetings are fun because you're just kind of pulling the layers down and everybody's looking at it and coming up with ideas. I think those are great. The meetings, <laughs> the standard staff meetings, I could do without. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was it. I, I think we've got a really good picture of you. I've really enjoyed visiting with you. So what we're going to do now is bring in Heidi Convery. And Heidi is the, the CEO, the leader of Flourish, which is a company that is a strengths finder company. And they help executives and and teams figure out what are their individual strengths and how do they work really well together. So let's bring in Heidi. 
Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Heidi Conberry. Um, I have been coaching uh, the Vested Group here in Dallas for about three years now. Um, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, so I use the Strengths Finder assessment to help executives and teams learn a little bit more about what makes them tick, why they do what they do, and to help them be more productive and more engaged in their work and home life. So, Brenda, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Thanks. This has been uh, this will be very interesting, and looking forward to hearing some more about my strengths. So, yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I um these are a little bit funny, I think, because I when you're talking to Chris, um, I sort of take on this creeper role. Um, and I'm sitting listening to you talk and making notes about things that you say and um or things that you talk about that you really love or things that you don't, um, what motivates you, why you moved to a smaller sector, all of that. Um, and I have your Clifton Strengths Report and can tie pretty much everything that you just said um, to your top 10 strengths. And so really I wanted to take some time to point out a few things that you talked about um, and kind of why you feel that way, um, why that has motivated you or why it hasn't based on what your actual talents are. And this is all leadership based, right? And so I think um, your talent specifically uh, has made massive impacts on the people that you've worked with. I can tell by what, how um, you were speaking to Chris and about what's motivated you, especially making a move to um, a startup and kind of what, what pushed you there outside of even why you think you moved. So I wanna talk first, um, your number one strength uh, that came back was connectedness. And um, I I mean, ironically, I guess, heard that the entire time <laughs> since you were uh, talking. Um, I think one of the biggest ones was you, you mentioned that you were um, really wanted more collaboration, that you loved collaborating with others, um, and that one of your biggest strengths as an individual, without even knowing that this was your report, was that you love to connect with people and help them connect to their job. And that is such a huge part of connectedness as a strength. Um, that one really is about being able to, it's relational. So it's about feeling connections with others, seeing connections with others, um, and really wanting to, to kind of create this map, I sort of see it, of pinging you know, all over the place. I think, I don't know if you've ever heard the, um, the phrase, when a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the earth, there's a tsunami on the other side, that everything is a cause and effect. We're all connected. Our actions impact somebody else, impact somebody else. How is that? Do you kind of feel connected <laughs> to that concept? Do you see that in yourself? So I, I think hearing those words it resonates a lot with how I look at my relationships with people, how I look at what I want to do in my job. So no, I think that sounds very true to me and to the my perspective on the world, yes. Yeah, and you, you know, our strengths I really think are, they're more the how, not the what. So think of these as your lens, sort of just like you just said, how you look at your interactions with people. Um, you're looking at your interactions with people based on your connection to them or how you can connect them with somebody else. Um, I know a lot of folks with Connectedness High who um, they're always the ones to be like, you know what, I know somebody I need to introduce you to, or I think I know this one area that you'd be really great at. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You can feel the connectedness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one that I wanted to talk about that I loved um, that you, I kind of laughed at. You were talking about how you, Chris asked you something that you don't like and you said, I really can't stand those, those staff meetings or maybe just brainstorming meetings where it feels like nothing is happening. Um, combined with you talking about loving to sort of live in that stressful edge, on that stressful edge where it's like a little bit tense, but there's some, there's something about it that attracts you to that where you're, it's sort of stressful, but kind of exciting at the same time. So you have a strength in your top 10 called Activator. You and I shared that one actually. And Activator is about, it's sort of like it sounds, it's about taking action. Um, it is, it's got a courageous side to it and sort of lives on the side of, you know what, let's just, let's just jump off the cliff and we'll work on the parachute on the way down uh, and it's gonna be okay, but at least we're moving, right? I mean, we're, we're <laughs> headed in the direction. We're trying to take some steps forward. Um, I laugh because Activator has a hard time sometimes with brainstorming meetings or um, I kind of call them sometimes trash can committees where it's just a bunch of chat and talk and but there's not any at the end. Okay, but what are we going to do now? So how have you, I mean, it sounds like that talent for you really has come out a lot in how you see your role or maybe how you engage other people. How have you seen Activator for yourself? Well, I think you hit on it when you talked about my compulsion to go and work in a smaller environment. The activator absolutely has a better ability to impact actions and to start acting and to see those actions have results in a smaller environment. So when you work in a really large company, like I said, I, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. It taught me a lot, but your ability to understand how your actions have a direct impact on the results of the company it's it's hard it's the yeah. there's so many more layers it's more nuanced your role and so i think um it became a point at which my activator frustration <laughs> may have been kicking in and i needed to operate in a smaller environment I, you know i had great opportunities inside ibm to be an activator because i created some new organizations that had never existed before i awesome. designed some capabilities so i did figure out how to use that talent inside ibm but mm. i think it just became time for me to figure out how to use it outside and so a small yeah. company made a lot of sense yeah oh i love it activator i really feel like you know that's a strength that um can often be really underutilized in large settings, right? Unless you have somebody who's really taking um, taking some leadership or taking some determination to use it on their own, kind of like you were talking about starting some new initiatives and um, groups, that's a great strength to engage when you have someone around you who has it, to be able to say, you know what, we've got this idea. Why don't you take it and run for a little bit? You know, try it out, see right. what it's like. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Um, so I think, Another one that I wanted to talk about with you uh, when you were talking about the, the transition to working with smaller group, you said that you wanted to be more involved in customer problems. So helping to find that solution, have your, your hands a little more uh, intertwined with that process. And you have a really unique strength uh, in your top 10 called restorative. And uh, it's a little less common. Um, so you, I don't see it quite as much in coaching, which gets me a little giddy, to be honest, because uh, I nerd out on strengths. And so when I get a chance to talk about what I don't see very often, it gets kind of exciting. Um, so restorative is a problem-solving strength. 
it is has some fortitude behind it where um, the best way I can kind of describe restorative is let's say it's low for me. So let's say you and I are kind of presented with an issue in the middle of the day. Um, I might look at that issue, that obstacle and go, oh, gosh, and I'm kind of halted in my tracks. Right. Can I get through it? Yes. Is it going to take a little longer for me? Probably. But with restorative, you sort of look at that obstacle and go, all right, let's go. Right. You just grab your hammer and your chisel and you start knocking away uh, at that big obstacle, that boulder. So restorative actually needs problems to be engaged. A lot of times I see people with this strength who they might be some of the first folks to leave um, a position, not necessarily because they were unhappy there, but they just felt a little bit stuck. And it's usually because the challenges have lessened slightly. They don't have they need problems to solve uh, on a daily basis and challenge. So I know you don't have any shortage of challenges in a startup small business area because I can relate to that. Um, but do, have you felt maybe since you transitioned to a different energy level around being able to tackle customer problems or um, just entrepreneurial issues that kind of pop up on the daily basis? So I think you're you're absolutely right. So I, I've seen this in a couple of places. I didn't really know how, what words to put around it, but certainly in my jobs at IBM, I was known for the to be the person who was really great at building something, maybe mm. not as great at running something. Means once yeah. once I had created, once I had figured out how to build it, and I had attacked the strategy of building something from nothing, the operational piece, the day in and day out of showing up and tracking yep. progress was less interesting to me. And so I yep. generally needed to move on to the next thing. In my entrepreneurial role, I actually am an operating partner of a private equity firm. And I'm, I sit on some boards of some por portfolio companies. And what I've liked about that is that every one of them has unique challenges. It could be product-based, it could be market-based, it could be financial. And I've enjoyed the part of digging in and saying, okay, how do we help this company figure out how to get over this next obstacle? So board work in small uh, you know, entrepreneurial companies is challenging one. You yeah. don't get compensated for it. You do it just for the pure love of it uh, to help the companies and their problems are large because mm -hmm. they tend to be undercapitalized and so forth. So I've really enjoyed that more than I thought I would. And yeah. I think it's because of what we're just discussing. So Seriously. I do think I am a, a bit drawn to um, near, uh, more sticky situations. But I think it's also, so it does challenge me, it interests me, and I enjoy serving those organizations. So absolutely yeah and the, isn't this to me this is just the most interesting part about strengths um sometimes we we know what gives us energy right like you could say i really i know that i really loved figuring out what a problem was use conceptualizing what we could do to solve it how we're going to tackle it get that thing started and then sort of hand it off right so i could be energized by the next thing um and not really realizing that that the reason why, right, you're energized by that is because specific talents of yours were hugely engaged in it. I mean, they're being used, they're ready to go. Um, and and that, 
behind this sort of helps you then look at, okay, I can think of reasons in the past when or situations when my strengths were engaged. Now I can be even more intentional moving forward, knowing maybe ahead of time, that's something that would engage my strengths hugely. I'd like to get involved with that. Or, you know, much like the taking the trash out comment from before, there is for sure things that we have to do that we don't really care to. Um, we have to sit in the staff meetings, right? So being able to approach those knowing ahead of time, there might be some moments in this where my strengths are not engaged. <laughs> and so I'm gonna prepare for what that's gonna be like and search for maybe opportunities in there that I can use activator, right? Or uh, I can use restorative. So um, right. I love that. You have a couple other strengths, ideation, um, which is sort of like a brainstorming, gets energy off of pinging ideas. Um, arranger loves to create the most efficient order of how to do something. Um, you can see where all of those strengths together would, you would love that board work, right? Um, some other strengths like achiever, some consistency, those are really low on your list, which would mean that when you're talking about that long-term, right, like sticking with something for a, a while um, and managing it for a while, that you're exactly right. That does not bring you any energy at all, right? And so... You can do it, but not the best use of your strengths um, and a little more challenging, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I think that I probably always looked at that as a shortcoming. Like, why do I get so bored in the just the running? And sometimes when you build teams, for instance, it's sad to leave teams. Once you build a team and you get them really humming, you think this should be the fun part. This should be the part where everything's right. going well, but it isn't for me. So nope, it's not. <laughs> and that's, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm glad that you point that out too. Um, we are in my coaching. I spent a ton of time on um, our mindset, which, you know, we, we are a weakness fixing people, right? We, we, that's kind of how our society set up. Um, and so we spend a lot of time thinking about why can't I do this? Well, um, I don't, you know, I need to work on this, I need to fix this, I need to, for sure we need to manage areas that we don't excel, um, right. but putting more effort and energy into those areas that you do excel, right? Providing you more opportunities to create and start the team or figure out what the issue is and get the solution started is a perfect way to engage a talent that you have that nobody else does. Um, the last thing that I wanted to um, chat with you about, you have, a strength in your top 10 that I just have huge envy for. Um, it's called individualization. And this strength is has the ability to be able to hone in on unique characteristics about other people. So you might not even realize, I think a lot of people with individualization don't even realize that they do this. Um, but the way that you observe people around you, those that you work with, I guarantee you, if I knew some people that you worked closely with and I could say something like, Brenda, why don't you tell me about the Joe's morning routine when he comes in the office? I think you could give me scary detail uh, about what that whole routine is like. Um, and so it's, it's from just an observational area, but it's also from um, a strengths area. I think people who have individualization high tend to really like the concept of strengths because it makes each person unique, right? It's it's more of a, we need to look at each person individually and not treat them the same because they're not the same. 
Um, so when you just mentioned having a love of forming teams, people with that talent usually are very good at forming teams because it's not um, kind of a roulette situation, right? You're looking at individuals and thinking, hmm, they would really mesh well in this area. And this person brings this unique talent I've seen them do. That would be great for this spot. Um, you also, you had uh, mentioned before about um, really wanting to, that, that desire to go from large to small, right? Large IBM to small uh, startup. Some of your individualization is there too, right? Kind of being able to zero in, have a little more specific interaction, um, a little more tailored approach. So do you, can you think of maybe uh, sometimes in examples where you have felt that individualization that you really have recognized something about someone that you didn't even realize you knew? Well, first of all, I think all the time. I mean, the answer is, <laughs> it's, I think it, it, it ties a lot to the connectedness piece, which is yes. part of being a great connector is actually seeing people, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing them really seeing them individually and seeing who they are and what they care about. And, and um, right. so I will say that, I, that I'm an artist on, on the side. I do, I've done painting. And uh, so wow. one of the things you'll know about artists is that it's not about the skill. It's not about the, the actual, what your skill is, but it's about your uh, powers of observation. Observation mm. is the greatest talent that an artist has. And I think that probably has extended into my observation of people and behaviors and, you know, their thoughts and feelings and so forth. So no, I think it happens all the time. And one example I can think of very clearly is when I was hired into a new organization at IBM and my reporting manager came to me and said, I, I hate to tell you this, but you, in your new organization, there's two people that need to be fired. And mm. they, she had a pretty long list of reasons why those people needed to be moved on, um, had to do with their performance and so forth. Um, so I said, well, just give me time to make sure I'm, uh, that I understand. I need to see the right. people I need to talk to them. I need to be clear. Well, what was very clear early on was that was wrong. Whatever had happened before mm. was not happening under my time. And I was able to get a lot of information about how they were interacting outside of the organization that was very positive. So I had to come back and say, um, I'm not going to do that. And it didn't, it didn't yeah. go over well. They said, well I can't I imagine. You were gonna do this. Right. I told you you're going to do this. And I said, no, I'm, I'm actually not going to do it. And here's why. Give me some time. One of those people ended up being one of the top rated people in that unit wow. across all of the, my peer units as well. So among about uh, 150 people was one of the top rated people. And the other one ended up leaving, but because uh, when another organization found out we might have been separating him, they said, oh no, we want him. We love it. So he <laughs> done a great job in another organization. And, and so all of that was because I think I was able to take the time to see in them yep. things that other people hadn't seen. That doesn't yeah. mean they did a bad job. It just means that that talent allowed me to, um, to take the time to observe what was valuable in these people. In one case, to really nurture it, and in the other case, to send it off to you know be valuable to another team, and they were really happy. He was happy. They were happy. It all worked out. But I mm. think 
that has, uh, I know that in my discussions, I talked about loving managing people. And I think it comes from that. It comes from that ability to observe and to, it see, does. to see them all. In. It does. It does. I, um, I mean, I don't think I'm really supposed to have favorite strengths in certain areas. Um, I would guess I need to be neutral. <laughs> However, um, I love, love, love working with managers who have individualization high uh, because they, the degree at which they know their team is incredible to me. And um, it just takes knowing them starting to learn the strengths of their people to a completely different level. Um, and situations like you're just talking about happen, not all the time, but um, really the best, giving folks the best chance of success uh, by understanding how they tick and what kind of environments engage their strengths, right? And how you can adjust that. So that was awesome. I loved it. I wish we had all day to talk. <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> uh, we don't. We do not. We do not. But I really appreciate you, Brenda, um, your vulnerability in this uh, and allowing me to kind of dig into your strengths a little bit more and connect it to uh, your leadership style. So I hope you have a really great day. Oh, thank you. No, thank you so much, Heidi. It's been very interesting. I have to say when it was first described what was going to happen and that I was going to be assessed live on screen <laughs> was a little mm -hmm. intimidating. But, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was fantastic. And I really appreciate the insights. And I think I can use them to, uh, to focus my actions and my uh, my organization and, and so forth. So I think, yeah, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. All right, have a great day. Heidi, thank you so much for, for jumping in. Um, I know that the power went out at your house, so we're gonna creatively edit that part and, and get your comments. Um, so one of the things I really loved hearing as you were talking uh, is that, that, that you really picked up the strengths from, uh, from Brenda's tests in the conversation that, that, that Brenda and I was having. So when Brenda talked about a certain activity she enjoyed, you could tell from her strengths where that, why she enjoyed that activity or, or vice versa. You know, if there's a meeting, type of meeting she didn't like, it's kind of on the bottom of her strengths. And so that's really what we are trying to do as a part of this video podcast is, is help leaders figure out the right situation that matches their strengths so they can get more, they get to do more of why they, you know, why they enjoy their work. So let's, let's figure out why we want to work, why we're working and get more of it. So it was great, Brenda, having you on. I really enjoyed kind of hearing that match up so well. And, you know, I have, we're kind of hoping to do this for other people, people in our own company to kind of hear from leaders like yourself. Um, I've got teenage and college age daughters and I'm constantly, whenever the concept or the topic of a career comes up, it is, it is, I, I am preaching to them, find that place where your passion meets your strengths. And it sounds like you're right in the middle of that. So I loved hearing, uh, you know, having the conversation with you and I'm hoping someday that, you know, I get to introduce my daughters to you because they're, you're a great model for them. So I would love to do that. So thank you. Thanks for your time. I appreciate your leadership and, and uh, you coming on with us. So thanks again. Brenda.